From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. Everyone wants to live a happy, healthy and long life, but too many people find themselves misled by marketing or scammed by science-y-sounding salespeople. But there's a new book out that deals with these issues and claims to offer some protection for the mind, body and wallet by fighting fake medicine. Today, Dr Brad Mackay on investigating the myths, scams and fads of modern health and wellbeing. Brad, welcome to the Tea Room. Thank you for having me. Brad Mackay is a Sydney-based GP, science communicator and author, and recently he's been busy with a big project and that's writing a book, Fake Medicine. Brad, could you give us a short rundown of what it's all about? I think a lot of GPs will relate to it uh, because we've, like, even this week I've had somebody coming in saying that they are curing their libido by having um, deer antler tea, which sounds delightful, but probably not very helpful for, for an erection. And I've also had yeah patients saying that they've been seeing their applied kinesiologist. Um, there's all of this sort of like kooky medicine um, that we uh, come across every day at work. We have our patients sort of like getting very, very distracted from modern medicine and participating in all sorts of different um, strange cures and remedies, uh, even if they're family traditions. Uh, they don't really do anything and just waste their time, money and effort. So uh, this was really uh, looking at a lot of those common things that, that GPs come across uh, and sort of like writing down my thoughts, looking at a bit of the evidence that um, either backs them or doesn't back uh, the uh, the remedies that people are using and looking at the, at the problems um, that we have in society and in medicine from letting them go. And, and I think that's one of the big things that, that GPs sort of do from time to time we sort of don't want to offend our patients and so if they are having deer antler tea we sort of go oh yeah cool and we don't speak up about it and yeah like a a few of my patients sort of now say oh well I know that you don't agree with me but I'm now taking (laughs) xyz uh so it's it's a very strange conversation and I and I think um we we need to be really evidence-based with our approach and GPs need to also uh, be knowledgeable about all of the kooky stuff that's out there so we can have intelligent conversations with our patients about it. Brad, I've seen you take on countless quacks (laughs) on the internet, uh, mostly on Twitter. Celebrity chef Pete Evans comes to mind, but what was actually the breaking point for you or was there a moment where you actually thought, right, I've had enough, I need to get this all on paper and, you know, really get into this space and work through this labyrinth of how people are finding meaning in health? I think for me, like, it, it's been a, a bit of a, a growing influence over time. Uh, so for for myself, like, I, I went through sort of a, a whole bunch of, um, of weird health things in the past, and I didn't often find the right solutions in modern medicine. So a lot of my my GPs didn't really know what to do with me. Um, I was sort of getting to the end of my knowledge and they were getting to the end of theirs, which just makes for very awkward consultations. Uh, and so I, like I've, I've spent a lot of my time sort of endeavoring into different areas. Um, I was brought up in a, in a religious household as well. And so I was sort of involved with all sorts of weird and, and strange things at the church too. And yeah, like a, a lot of it is just sort of like fruitless, anxiety provoking, um, takes you down very, very strange areas uh, where you're looking at your life and looking at health in general. And so, yeah, like I, I've really got a passion for other people to not go through that 
as well. So I, I think some people just think that I've got it in for Pete Evans, which I don't. Uh, I, I sort of just hate the uh, the misinformation that he he puts out there, and I try to correct it where I can. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm not wanting people to not vaccinate their kids because they're scared of vaccinations. Like I'm not wanting people to sort of take some some weird herbs um, rather than taking their their proper medication that's proven to work. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm not wanting people barking up the wrong tree. And I'm sure that other doctors are curious, what was it like trying to write fake medicine around working in clinical practice, not to mention, you know, the craziness that has been the pandemic over the last year and all your other working commitments? Yeah, I started writing, well, I pitched the book in December of 2019 before COVID was even sort of known at all. Uh, so I, and at that time, I was saying, like, pitching the idea, saying, yep, there's all of this, like, kubiki medicine that's out there. There's lots of conspiracy theories that are popping up. Um, there's a lot of fake medicine that is around. Uh, and then, um, yeah, like, less than a month later, COVID was hitting the world and everyone's going into chaos. Uh, the world shuts down and, and I'm sort of, like, uh, if they're trying to write a book amongst everything that that's happening. Uh, so I think on one hand, it was um, helpful to, to not have to go out to parties. Uh, so I could sit at home and write my book. Um, but on the other hand, it was also yeah difficult trying to keep up with everything that was happening around the world and, and trying to keep up with with all the new information that was um, coming out every day regarding the, the virus and now vaccines. And then seeing all, all of these things, like all of the weird conspiracy theories that I'd already been looking at, already interested in, it was just ramping it up to 100. Like it was just uh, across the board, all of this strange amalgamation of ideas. And, and you'd see um, people who are very anti-vax, um, they were joining forces with people who are anti-5G, um, then they were like yeah, anti-masks. Uh, like it's this is what we see if you sort of tend to believe in one conspiracy theory you tend to take on a lot of other ones as well it's sort of like your superpowers of conspiracy so uh, so it was really sort of interesting uh, fascinating to see that being played out around the world just looking at the book now i have to say the chapters have some very entertaining names uh sleepy demons the whole pantry of lies and the covid-19 conspiracy do you have a favorite chapter out of those um well i think my uh, one of my favorite chapters it is uh, uh, about pete evans um because i do love him so much uh so that that ch that chapter is called cooked so I, I think that's appropriate at this at this point of time. Um, but certainly, um, yeah, thousands of years is one of the one of my chapters' names. Uh, so that's based on or well, looking at traditional Chinese medicine and um, acupuncture and uh, different sort of remedies that are that are used in, in traditional Chinese medicine, and really talking about how how something that we use for thousands of years um, may not actually be doing anything for us, and we we tend to rely on the sort of ancient wisdom uh, and don't sort of replace it when we we know better. The, the Whole Pantry of Lies, uh, that's based on uh, Bell Gibson's The Whole Pantry. Uh, so um, if, you, if, if you remember, Bell Gibson was um, one of our um, infamous celebrities from a few years ago who um, told everyone that she was uh, curing herself of brain cancer and metastatic cancer all through her body just by eating healthy vegetables and having Gerson therapy, uh, which is um, 
putting coffee up your backside and, as an enema. Uh, and so apparently that was keeping her on track and keeping her alive. And then after a while, it turned out that she did, didn't even have cancer in the first place um, and had been selling her story uh, and her app and her book. Um, and it was all, all a farce. So, um, so it's really looking into that and why we tend to have these um, this sort of like an easy pass when it comes to natural treatments, like my patient with deer antler tea. Um, yeah, it's natural. We're just scraping the fuzz off a deer's antler and putting that into some tea, and that's going to really fix my, my libido. Um, there, there is sort of like this strange reliance or acceptability for doing really, really crazy things um, just because it, it's natural or because everyone's done it before. And did you find yourself within these last two years where you started to dig a little bit deeper into all these different topics, did you find that in your consults with patients such as the one that drinks deer antler tea, that those conversations were changing or the way that you're approaching those situations were changing? Yeah, I think as I've put everything down on paper and looked at things a little bit more deeply, um, my responses to patients are probably a lot more confident. Uh, and over time, uh, it's created this strange situation um, where I feel like, uh, like I'm just saying that the emperor is wearing no clothes. Like what I'm saying is just obvious, um, <laughs> and that uh, that every like people that are that are trained in modern medicine, they sort of uh, will agree, but we sort of tend to still give that 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 pass, that free pass to a lot of treatments that we just hear all the time that we're familiar with. And I think um, putting a microscope on them and, um, and talking about them uh, has really uh, sort of made me see how much more ridiculous they are than what I <laughs> what I did even beforehand. So now when my patients are sort of presenting sort of like really odd and wacky treatments um, that are not likely to do anything for them at all, um, like it gives me a little bit more confidence to sort of say, no, the emperor is not wearing any clothes and this is not going to be helpful for you. Yeah, with with patients who are, who are having deer antler tea, uh, yeah, like they, they end up like coming back a few weeks few weeks later and uh, and telling me that it hasn't worked and often they'll just sort of like forget that they even took it there is this sort of um blanket um uh, just uh, we just tend to ignore what we've been through before if we've made a, a faulty choice in medicine if we've tried something we just sort of try it and move on and forget that it happened at all in the first place and so it's it's interesting to see how patients go through this process um, and also yeah document what people have tried and what hasn't worked um, so we we can sort of get a better idea of, uh, of what our patients are going through. Yeah and I see that sometimes doctors don't want to engage and, and go down the rabbit hole because they see that some people who are engaging in these health behaviours can't be convinced otherwise and that you know they're quite rigid and their ideas can't be changed. I guess that some parts of the book and some of the conversations that you were having, such as writing about anti-vaxxers and conspiracies of COVID during the actual pandemic was quite infuriating at times as a doctor. How did you stay cool, calm and collected when writing about some of these topics? I think I've been reading about these topics for a long time and I've been very um, yeah, invested for, for, for a couple of decades now. So, um, so 
with everything that was happening during COVID, uh, it wasn't really out of the ordinary. It was just sort of like amplified. Um, and a lot of the the old old rumours, uh, old treatments, old remedies are sort of recycled in different ways. So there, there's a lot of talk in the past about sort of like vibrational energy or light energy, getting the right frequencies. Uh, this is what a lot of people have talked about in the past. Um, so then when we saw uh, like Pete Evans um, uh, getting up and, and selling uh, biochargers, um, so it's basically like a, a bunch of fluorescent lights um, that emit slightly different coloured beams of light from uh, from the, the, their fluorescent lamps. It was just another sort of form of, of energy or frequency medicine that really doesn't do anything. And if you're gathering your whole family around to, uh, to join hands around a, a lamp in the evening, it's probably not going to protect you from COVID. Uh, so it, it's, it, it's very weird to just think that people are doing this and believing it. Uh, and yeah, very dangerous if they are thinking that it's going to protect them from a potentially lethal infection. I was going to ask if there's perhaps a favourite few paragraphs of the book. I know that you can't choose between your favourite children, uh, but is there a part of the book that you might be able to give us a sneak preview of? This is a small passage from uh, from one of my chapters, uh, and this is titled Cupping, which I'm sure a lot of GPs are, are very um, surprised uh, when their patients come in with all sorts of uh, horrible bruises all over their back. So uh, I'll, I'll start with, with this one. I, like most Australians, love cheering for the green and gold at the Olympics. I've also been known to celebrate the wins of my Kiwi homeland too, when no one is looking. But I distinctly remember being outraged by the United States swimming team's secret weapon back in 2016. As their champion, Michael Phelps, pulled himself out of the water, everyone could see he was covered in circular bruises. I told the media at the time that it looked like he'd lost a fight with a vacuum cleaner. The circular suck marks were from cupping, a practice where glass cups are heated and placed directly onto your skin. Cupping is meant to help blood pump more freely to the area and draw out toxins, but it doesn't. It's just got as much therapeutic value as a giant hickey. A vacuum is formed within the cup, sucking up the underlying tissue. Fragile blood vessels become dilated from the negative pressure, and this enables more blood to flow into the area. Increased blood flow sounds like a good thing, but not with cupping. The blood vessels are put under so much strain that they pop and blood leaks out into the surrounding tissue. Toxins aren't released because the blood doesn't go anywhere. It's trapped inside your body as a giant circular bruise, doing as much good for your health as walking into a door. It isn't an effective treatment, and it's certainly not safe. Heating up glass cups and applying them directly to your skin can cause terrible burns and make patients look like freshly branded cattle with permanent circular scars. The risk of burn injuries can be reduced by using plastic instead of glass. Hard plastic cups are placed on the patient's skin with a tube attached to a suction device. Air is pumped out of the cup, creating negative pressure over the skin. This method might prevent burns, but it doesn't completely prevent injury. Too much negative pressure can cause massive blood blisters to form, which can take forever to heal, and the stagnant blood they contain can become infected and require antibiotics. Wet cupping can even be more dangerous. This is when the skin is punctured before applying the cups in an attempt to suck out bad blood. Unfortunately, the cups aren't able to differentiate between good and bad blood, so they just suck out blood. Sometimes the suction is so successful that the cups fill up to the brim with thick blood clots. 
Puncturing the skin is risky because any break in this protective barrier creates an entry site where bacteria can get in. Cupping isn't effective. In fact, it leaves some people with deep bruises, blood blisters, strange-shaped scars, and even life-threatening cellulitis. But it is popular. It's popular because people like Michael Phelps, Sonny Bill Williams, Jennifer Aniston, Justin Bieber, and Kim Kardashian show off their bruises to the masses, giving the treatment credibility among their fans. That was excellent, Brad. So that that's, gives you a bit of a flavour of, uh, of what it's like. But yeah, it is a mixture of heavy hitting at a, at a lot of very usual and typical general treatments that, that people try, but also a bit of a, a story about my, my own experience and my, my family's experience with, with kooky medicine and, uh, and uh, having very strange uh, paths through, through healing. So Brad, fake medicine is due to hit the shelves at the end of March. Do you know where it will be stocked so fellow GPs know where to get a copy? I'm sure it will be at all good and bad booksellers uh, and it will be available on Booktopia, um, Amazon as well. Uh, You can pre-order copies, but it will be out on the 31st of March. Dr Brad Mackay, thank you. Thanks very much.